Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get thirty, thirty. Ready to get thirty, ready to get twenty, twenty, twenty. Ready to get twenty, twenty. Ready to get fifteen, 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 fifteen. Just fifteen bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. If you like Jules Says, I would appreciate it if you took the time to rate, review, or share. I know a lot of women my age do not listen to podcasts. I encourage them to try it while they're driving, doing housework, doing laundry, cooking. These are things most of us have to spend time doing, and it's nice to have something to listen to, or maybe just listen to fall asleep. All opinions in Jules says are mine. I am an opinionated old bag. However, in my defense, I will listen. I try to learn all the time, and I apologize and change my mind if I realize I'm wrong. So that's worth something. Abe and I are still working on getting the rental property ready for someone else to move in and crap it up again. I had a great day last Friday, not working on it, and also not working at my job job. But then Saturday, Saturday was a twelve-hour day. More cleaning, prepping to paint, painting, waiting, helping Abe fix things, going to the hardware store. I have to say, I love Home Depot. It is, they have a really good selection of all the stuff we need. It's really, really good. I had to go to a hardware store on occasion when I've been in England visiting Catherine, and maybe I just went to the wrong place. I just didn't find a place that was that had as much selection and stuff. You couldn't get. All the screws and the nuts and the bolts and the parts and the bathroom fixtures and the plumbing parts and ductwork, it it just didn't have as much stuff. So, thank you, Home Depot. It's really really handy, and there's one close to the rental property. But then we had to go back on Sunday, and we worked all day Sunday. Not a twelve hour day. We got a bit of a break. We got to see Carrie and Alan briefly. We finally got around to giving them their Christmas presents, which I've. Had sitting around since the beginning of December, we didn't end up giving them to them because everything changed, and we suddenly went to England, and it was last minute and short. And I will only travel with Carry On now, because last year at Christmas I waited for Abe and I waited for over two hours for our bags, and when we asked a baggage guy about it, he said, "I don't know. We can't hire good people." Those people over there have been waiting for four hours, so I'm kind of afraid to take the risk with checked luggage. So yeah, we finally gave Carrie and Alan their Christmas gifts on Sunday, only about three weeks late. 
and past the return date. So hopefully they like them because it's too late to return anything. Anyway, we'll be back again this coming weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. But, oh, my God, it is amazing to me that I can clean something, and when Abe or I go back to it, it somehow seems to be dirty again. Layers upon layers of grime. I even had to scrub the electrical cord of the wall heaters with a toothbrush. They were brown and sticky. Sticky! This was in, in, a be, in the bedrooms. I don't even know how they did it. And those heaters were brand new just before they moved in. One of them might have even been replaced while they were living there. I don't remember. If not them, it was just the one tenant before them. They're not old. Abe did say that whenever he went there to fix something for them, the windows were always really steamed up. And I was chatting with Carrie's husband's sister about the issues in the basement and how they said in their country they don't have those problems. And she said it's also really hot and humid in the Philippines, which is where her family is from. And they don't seem to get those problems there either. But they probably don't have basements, I said to her. And she said, yeah, they don't. And they keep the windows open so they get a breeze and some fresh air. If the air is moving, it doesn't get all... The moisture doesn't get an opportunity to just condense on things and corrode everything. Unfortunately, unfortunately for us anyway, fortunately for tenants, landlords in Ontario are not allowed to withhold a cleaning or damage deposit. And I don't know when that changed because I know we used to be able to withhold a deposit to cover cleaning or damage costs because my mom and dad were property managers. And I know when I was a renter back in the 80s, well, the 70s and 80s, actually, I always paid a cleaning deposit that would only be refunded after the post-move inspection was good. But that's no longer possible. And I can understand why. I'm not complaining about that. I suppose it would be too easy, or it was too easy, for landlords to keep the deposit, even if it's not justified. And presumably, tenants are more financially vulnerable than landlords. Even though I'm kind of complaining about this a lot, There's no way anyone living in our basement apartment is not more financially vulnerable than we are. So I need to just accept it and stop. However, officially, tenants do have a responsibility to keep the unit reasonably clean. But the problem is, you have no recourse if they don't. What am I going to do? Send them a bill? I don't think so. And I'd have no way to enforce it. And not only that, I do kind of feel badly for them. So I I wouldn't charge them for my time. It probably would have cost me at least $1,000 to pay someone just for the cleaning. And I just, no, I think that would be, that would cause them financial hardship. I'm sure of it. Anyway, I will say by the end of the day on Saturday, that 12-hour day, in my head, I was vowing to myself that I will never, ever do more than eight hours of physical labor after a tenant moves out ever again. If there's any more work than that to be done, Abe's going to have to do it or he's going to have to hire someone to help or do some of it. I am getting too old for this bullshit. I'm 64 years old and I think I'm done. And it's not that I'm profoundly lazy or a spoiled princess. I've just, just this month reached my limit. Maybe I am just too old for it, but I'm done. And one of my friends said, but if you have to pay people to do that work, 
It eats into your profits, Jules. It's not a good idea. Ugh. Yeah, true. First of all, what profits? We're not making a profit on it, monthly at least. I'm sure we'll do fine when we sell eventually. But the more important point to me is paying people to do the work that you're either not prepared to do, don't have time to do, or can't do, because most of us can't do everything. Paying people to do that work is just the cost of doing business. You should take that into account before you buy a rental property. That should be part of the equation of any business. If it doesn't make financial sense, then owning the rental property is a bad business model and not recommended. So next time, no matter how guilty I feel about it, I'm going to do eight hours and no more. Abe will have to take the lead on the transition. I say that now, but you know. Speaking of taking the lead, I'm so sorry, Catherine, for referring to your podcast all the time, and I'm about to do it again. But I just think you articulate things so well. And I can't help but ruminate on what you've had to say and think about things that impact me. A couple of people have recently asked me why I don't have Catherine as a guest on my podcast. And my reasons are basically, number one, she's already way too busy. I have a hard time getting a short video call with her. That's the way it is. And you know, I'm really missing Fred because... We danced a lot together at Christmas, and it's still fresh. But number two, I don't want, I just don't want it to seem as though um, I'm trying to increase listeners with a celeb guest, because I think that would be taking unfair advantage of my privileged mom status. So that's why. I'm sorry. Yes, I am considerably less fascinating than Catherine, but maybe you can use it to help fall asleep. And besides, I am where she came from, so hopefully that counts for something. But anyway, I was thinking about, again, Catherine's insightful articulation of how women usually appreciate when competent men lead if their priority is their family rather than their own fun. And the context was in response to some guy who was apparently famous, but who I've never heard of because I don't know who all the famous people are. You have to really, really, really be a household name before I know who you are. But this guy said on some other famous person's podcast, unknown to me, that the reason so many women can't find a man is because they're acting like men or something like that. And Catherine commented that if acting like a man means taking the lead, don't blame the women because we would appreciate men taking the lead. But if they don't, women are going to pick up the slack because someone has to do it. And I totally agree, and I'm paraphrasing, go listen to Telling Everybody Everything because she articulates it so well. She has clips on Instagram, too, which are really good, and I like the video because I get to see her. And she's wearing a really fabulous pink sweater in it. It's, I love that sweater. So yeah, there are some men who think they want to be in charge, but they don't take action to be in charge. And then they turn around resenting the women who take charge. That's irrational, circular logic. Don't they realize that we don't want to lead all the time, necessarily? Being the leader can be a burden at times, and I think most of us would love to be able to completely relinquish responsibility, even for a few things, and trust that those things are going to be done, that they'll happen, without us having to think about it, 
without us having to remind anyone or ask about it or wonder about it. That's a gift. And ideally, a partnership means that each member of the partnership manages certain things and can trust that the other is handling the things that he or she says they're going to manage. And if that consistently happens, you build trust. You'll have no reason to think about whether it's going to get done or whether you should just do it. How lovely. And I know some people conflate leadership with being unilaterally in charge or domineering or dominant. And I doubt very many people actually want that. There might be some people who do. But most of us want some form of collaborative leadership. We just want to be with someone who can make good decisions, be trusted to make good decisions, and get things done. And it's not fair to men either to expect them to all be leaders All human beings have the ability to lead sometimes. Even animals have the ability to lead. You always have leaders in the animal kingdom. And if you've seen Chimp Nation, we don't want that kind of leader. We're hopefully beyond that because all of us are capable of leading in certain areas where we have strengths. But leadership ability should not be a gendered attribute. I have a friend who recently commented that she likes to see a man in charge. I forget what the context was. I was telling her about something. She said, oh, well, I just really like to see a man in charge. Really? I said to her, do you know very many men who are capable of being in charge? She's retired. It's not like she's at work interacting with all kinds of people. How was your life going when you were married and expected to be submissive to your lying, cheating, violent husband? He wasn't fit to lead the family, and he caused everyone untold misery. I actually didn't say that whole thing. That sounds really harsh. But I did remind her that her family is genuinely better off with her in charge because that's true. The strange thing to me, though, is even after decades of a living hell with that husband, she automatically defaults to the culturally indoctrinated expectation that that a man should be in charge, that a man is more capable of being in charge. And I think a lot of us do that, but we can recognize it, stop our train of thought, and rethink our instinctive initial thought, because effective leadership should not be considered a male trait. It's not fair to men either. Maybe they don't all want to be in charge. Another friend of mine commented that his wife, who I know, is like a man. Like a man? Is she like a man? I said. His wife is actually very beautiful and feminine-looking. There's absolutely nothing masculine about her that I can see. Maybe you mean she's highly competent, decisive, and intelligent? Attributes which certain cultures have historically attributed to men? He said nothing to that, and yeah, he is still my friend. But he also didn't correct me on what he thought it was that made his wife like a man, so... I don't know, maybe she takes charge in bed and he didn't want to say it. But that shouldn't even be considered manly. I think a lot of men would love their wives to take the lead in bed too once in a while. Do you always want to be the initiator? Probably not. Isn't it hot to be seduced? Yeah, maybe that was it though. I don't know. These qualities aren't gendered. The ability to lead is not a gender-based skill. Except... I will say, when it comes to dancing. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Call me old-fashioned, but I have to admit... I do like to dance with a man who can lead. Now, I know nowadays you're seeing men dancing with men in ballroom and women dancing with women. So maybe it isn't a gendered thing either. Maybe, again, we've just historically thought of it that way. But I still like it that way. It doesn't mean that's the way it should be for everyone. It just means that's what I prefer for myself. Way, way back in the olden days, when I was still married to the girl's father... Our circle of friends, well, my husband's circle of friends, of which I was allowed to be a part as long as I was married to him, I was pretty much dropped like a rabid rat after that divorce. His circle of friends included one couple who I really, really liked. Actually, that couple did not drop me immediately. They gradually distanced themselves later. Uh, Maybe two years later. I don't know, but in that range. And I've thought long and hard about why. And I think it might be because they were friends with my divorce lawyer. And after the settlement had been signed, so that would have been about three years, I had the audacity to write to the lawyer and let him know that I thought I gave him some constructive feedback on how my case was handled. Not by him, you see, but by his staff, because the lawyer very rarely deals with the day-to-day churn of events. For example, right from the start, I provided all the required documentation. At the initial consultation, I was prepared. But his staff never, ever, ever checked the file when my ex's lawyer sent incessant emails with questions or requests for documentation, many of which had already been answered and provided multiple times, because all this information, I think, was sent by my lawyer to his lawyer, and I would say all of the questions and requests were about information that had already been provided in the file. I rarely, if ever, had to provide new documentation or find something new. It just felt like a grand filibuster. So here's how the workflow went. X's lawyer sends letter or email with question or request for document to my lawyer. My lawyer forwards me the question request for document. I answer question, provide another copy of documentation, and remind them that this was already answered documentation already provided, and then my lawyer would forward the response or the documentation to my ex's lawyer. And all of this takes time. It's like death by a thousand cuts. And then the lawyer bills me, and I don't know if they bill in half hour or hour increments. I don't know. But they're billing you for this whole churn of useless activity And this kept happening and happening. This wasn't an occasional thing. Would it have been cheaper to look up the information in the file and not email me and turn it around? I don't know. 
But one thing I do know is process improvement, and I knew this process was grotesquely inefficient. But lawyers don't care. At the end of the day, I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure, at least in family law, they're never accountable for the results. And how could they be? I get why. They're really only accountable for tracking their time and billing the client. And if you're not good at that, don't even be a family lawyer because you will not make money. You'll do all the kinds of work. And if you can't track time and bill the client and collect your receivables, people think lawyers are rich. They're not all rich. You have to be able to do that. But anyway, I thought I would helpfully let my lawyer know that I wasn't thrilled with how the whole thing went. And nobody likes my letters. Not my children's teachers, not the Canadian Registered Education Program leg of the Canadian government, and not this lawyer. Much to my shock, I got a letter back from him saying, pretty much, that things in family court never work out the way people want them to or think they should, so blah, 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 blah. I wasn't, my letter wasn't about the result. My letter was about the three-year expensive, long-drawn-out, arduous, repetitive process that led to the result, which really wasn't anything that anyone was fighting about. I mean, it wasn't like, maha, I got everything from you. None of that happened. So it just didn't make sense to me that it took that long and that much money to get basically things split, you know? So he didn't even get the point of my letter. I was kind of surprised that he didn't send me another invoice for his response, to be honest. And I didn't actually even expect a response. And I don't, and I really don't appreciate a response that basically says, whatever, bitch. I could tell that he did not get my point. But I just do think there should be a better way to manage the revolving door that just racks up astronomical legal fees. Anyway, none of that is the point. The point is that I really liked this couple, and I miss them to this day, but I do think they distanced themselves from me because they were friends with my lawyer. And I suspect he told them about my letter. I'm sure he told them about my letter, which wasn't nasty. It was just direct, and he misinterpreted it anyway. So, ma. But this couple were two very interesting people. I really found them fun. They were both very successful professionals. They were great chatters. He played the piano. She was a really good artist. She used to do drawings with Joanne. And they were so kind to the children. And they didn't have children of their own. And I remember one night the wife sat Carrie on her lap. I think it was Carrie. It was Carrie or Joanne, but I think it was Carrie, and told her that if she came to live with them, they would buy her a pony. Poor Carrie. She kind of looked at me because I think she was actually considering her options. She liked them a lot, too. And a pony would be nice, but would she really want to go live with them? And sometimes I wonder if she ever regretted not taking them up on that offer, especially when she was a teenager. Because emotions ran high in my household during those years. Very high. Anyway, they were a lot of fun. And the most fun of all, to me anyway, they loved to dance. If they were at a house party and we were there, eventually the music would be on and we'd all be dancing. Most of us anyway, not all the men. I loved dancing with the husband because he was such a good leader. 
I could just relax. He would hold you and guide you, and, and, and somehow you knew exactly where to go, even though you weren't a great dancer yourself. That was joyful for me. And even if you're super manly, i.e. competent, decisive, intelligent, and a good leader, like me, in dancing as in life, there's a certain freedom in being led by someone who's capable and trustworthy. Not necessarily always, not in every situation, but at least sometimes. It's such a relief. I recall some of the men who would dance with his wife, though, complaining to her that she was trying to lead. Well, yeah, of course she was trying to lead. She was used to dancing with her husband, who led so well that when she danced with someone else who didn't know how to lead, she naturally took over the leadership role. That's what we do. I also used to love dancing with one of Carrie's bosses when she worked as a bartender a few years ago, before she went back to school for medical aesthetics training. Her boss was also the owner of the bar, and apparently during the 1970s, when disco was hot, he was a young John Travolta type out and about and Saturday night fevering all over town. I can only imagine. He was handsome, too. Even in his 50s, he was handsome. Well, 50s is young to me now. And I think men unfairly retain their handsomeness longer as long as they don't completely let themselves go to hell. But he really also knew how to lead different style of dancing than the the other guy. I would go to the bar to see Carrie when she was working. I mean, I wasn't distracting her from her work. I was just sitting at the bar like any other patron, enjoying all the fun around her. And sometimes the bar would have a band on and they had a dance floor and it was so much fun. I I just loved being there for that. Carrie would sometimes come out from behind the bar to have a dance, sometimes with one of the regulars, sometimes with her boss. Then she'd just pop back behind the bar and carry on working. Sometimes she would jump up onto the bar and dance. That was always a highlight. She was the life of the party, the party starter. She still is. I get such a kick out of just watching her, watching everyone around her. One night, though, I danced with her boss, and again, he just swung me around like it was nothing, only he didn't just lead. He picked you up and flipped you around, and you just had to trust him and relax for it to work. So I did, and I loved it. So I would often have a dance with him when I was there. Until one night. I don't know, maybe he had too much to drink, which had to have been a lot, because as a hands-on bar owner, he was used to pounding back his fair share of booze. But one night, he dropped me on my head. I quickly jumped up. Are you okay? He asked me. Yeah, I was fine. I wasn't injured. It wasn't a drop from a great height by any means. And I was glad I had landed on a slightly elevated wooden dance floor platform thing and not tile, or worse, tile with broken glass. There's a reason they don't want you to bring your drinks on the dance floor, kids. But I did land on the top of my head with a sudden thud, and I had a bit of a headache for a couple of days, but it also shook my trust. So I never danced with him after that, even though I missed it terribly. I would sometimes sit there and watch the dancing and think, uh, should I? But I couldn't because I no longer trusted him to lead safely. And that might have been an overreaction on my part. But I've been told I have trust issues in the past. 
It takes me a bit of time to trust, and it doesn't take me all that long to lose trust, I guess. And once someone has compromised your trust, it does take longer to rebuild it. So leading requires the people you're leading to trust you. And over the years, I've taken a handful of ballroom and Latin dance classes, and a few times I've had my dance partner complain that I'm leading. Sorry, do I want to lead in that situation? No, I do not. However, if my partner is not leading, instinctively I will step up and I'll lead in dance and in life. I have no problem with it at all. And I think we're all capable of leading in some areas of life. There's no reason to feel threatened if someone is willing and able to lead in certain areas. And it doesn't benefit anyone for society to expect that leader to always be a man. Not all men are born leaders, just as not all women are born to be submissive. It's usually an ebb and a flow, a give and take, at least at home. And if you're someone who isn't decisive, who wants someone to lead, then you belong with someone who's happy to lead, to make decisions, but who is hopefully not entirely selfish about it. In my work life, I've had a long history of male and female leaders, some good, some not so good, but all different. And their effectiveness has not been consistently gender-based. It's been all over the map. I did find back in the day that sometimes women felt like they had to quote-unquote be like the men in order to succeed in management. And maybe that was true, and I hope that's changing. Because the worst leaders were the ones who were authoritative, refused to listen to anyone, and who thought that they and they alone had all the answers. Oh, and they blamed everyone else but themselves if things went wrong. And they threatened people. I've had leaders who did those things. And I know the men who think women shouldn't be leading are not listening to Jules says. And I also couldn't help but notice a few critical comments in response to Catherine's post about the subject. And I think it's fine to criticize an opinion. But so often when you read these things, it's obvious that the person either didn't listen or didn't comprehend what she was saying, just like my lawyer missed the point of my letter. I'm trying to think of what this one guy said. He didn't use the word demonizing all men, but it was something along those lines, and I I can't find it. I think it's gone because it was a story comment. Anyway, it's a shame, a shame that so many men don't understand that we are not trying to dominate anyone. Some are. Stay away from them. But for the most part, we just want everyone to have opportunities. We We want them to succeed And we want people to be happy, just not at anyone's expense. And I don't think if you're really putting someone down or hurting them, that you are happy. I think you can't be happy and do those things and be fine with it. It's just not possible. The unfair, unrealistic, gendered expectations aren't serving those guys either. They're only serving the very, very few at the very top of the financial food chain or the power food chain. We already have too many shitty people in power. A good leader doesn't try to dominate and control. They want what's best for the team, for the family, for everyone. And sometimes what's best is letting someone else take the lead. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to say, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. 
I'll be back next week. Music